Tēnā rā koutou katoa no mai piki mai ki te pūtahi, ko Kingi Gilbert tōku ingoa he uri a hau no Tainui Te Aroa a me toko maru waka. Ah, kia ora tui. Tēnā koe, Kingi. Ah, te kaupapa i tēnei rā, a māra, a me biodynamic values. We're here with Dr. Jessica Hutchings. Tēnā koe, Jessica. Tēnā koe, tēnā kōroa. Kia ora, just a bit of a background whānau. Dr. Jessica Hutchings is the author of this wonderful book here. Te mahi māra hua pare kore, she's ngaitahu, ngāti huirapa, Gujarati, kaupapa Māori researcher, author, and hua pare kore food grower. Tēnā koe, Jessica, welcome to Te Pūtahi. Kia ora, kia ora, tēnā ora. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the concepts in here, te mahi māra hua pare kore. I was wondering if you could give our whānau a bit of a background on what uh, that is. Yeah, sure. Uh, what to me to tahi he mahi atu kia, kia korua, uh, kia koutou i te whānau, i mā takitaki mai, uh, mahi atu uh, kia koutou i tēnei wātua o Matariki. Uh, ko wai a hau ko au he uri o uh, ngai tahi me ngāti huira pe kei e tahi atu taha no India Tukumama no Gujarati ia. Uh, ai, he Mindian a hau, he Māori Indian. Uh, tēnā koutou i te whānau. Um, thanks very much for inviting me to have a kōrero today about this awesome kaupapa, Te Mahi Māra Hua Parakore. actually wrote this book um, five years ago, and I think it's become really evident in the time of COVID, the issues of food security and food sovereignty for us as whānau. And just coming to really realise how precarious our food system is when it circulates uh, along the global capitalist circuits in which money flows within our international economy. And our, you know, that very much mirrors our food flows. So to Mahi Marahua Parakuri is actually about getting out of those capitalist flows uh, that are predicated on, you know, notions of imperialism and colonisation to start to build our own food systems, you know, reconnecting back um, with our waterways and our foodscapes and our landscapes so we can eat from our cultural landscapes again. And I think for me, you know, when I think about Māori food sovereignty or kai sovereignty, whatever we want to call it, really is about a return to eating our cultural landscapes. And then when we're eating our cultural landscapes and our kaumatua Percy Tipini no Ngāti Hini Ea, who uh, fortunately passed away a few years ago, but very involved with Tawaka Kai order, he'd always talk about our divine senses. So this act of eating kai, yes, it's about nourishment, but it's also too about connecting in with our tūpuna senses, divine senses in our puku, in our ate, and having that really deep connection with food. Um, that's very different from when we buy food from the supermarket or get vegetables out of plastic. Uh, as opposed to when we might dig up uh, ngā, hua, ngā hua whenua um, and actually, kind of, you know, it's like you're eating the soil on which you're living, you're eating the air, that which you're breathing. And so just that oneness or that sense of oneness with the food is really what, um, for me, Te Mahi Hua Parakuri is all about. The Hua Parakuri is the um, Māori Organics um, uh, kaupapa Māori framework, and so it applies to um, farming and agriculture, Māori kai, and we can use the six kaupapa in the Hua Parakori framework as a tool or a guide to deepen the way that we might produce food. Uh, 
Um, and of course, uh, because it is huaparakori, it is um, absolutely pesticide free, it's absolutely chemical free, and it's absolutely um, GE, nanotech, Synbio, any other new technology from the multinationals, it's devoid and free of all of that. Um, so we really are about producing, um, you know, really healthy, pure food, or as Matua Pusi used to say, kai atua, um, food fit for the gods. So um, although the huaparakori is a Māori organics framework, it's also to a food sovereignty framework. And so it provides some really clear guidelines for us about how we might enact food sovereignty through mātakai, through whanaungatanga, bringing people together and gardening together. No one likes to weed a garlic patch by themselves. In fact, no one likes to do, I don't like to do any weeding by myself. I'm always trying to rope people in. Um, uh, gives us really good guidance on um, how to save seeds and how to get mm. out of that capitalist economy of food production, of even going to Mitre 10 or Bunnings and buying little, you know, six seedlings in a pottle for what, $4? Um, so how can we actually take money out of the food system and return it as a relationship that lives right next door, right around us uh, or within our community? And so that's really what to Mahi Parakuri is about. I guess for Fano, is there any way, so if we're starting our gardens, how can we connect with Te Waka Kaiora and access seeds and also contribute some of our seeds? Is, what is the, um, what yeah. are the recommendations there? Yeah, kapai. Um, so in the far north, these toppers, the Taitukuro Organic Producers Society, and that's actually the uh, ruapu that um, was the catalyst for starting up Tawaka Kaiora as a national uh, movement for organics and food sovereignty. And so um, Toppers is a really good connecting point. Uh, Tawaka Kaiora's got a Facebook page, so come and join us. We've got a hui going on at Papatua Nukumurai on the 28th of August over that weekend where we are, sorry, she's doing promotion, but where we're launching this uh, new book on Tamahi Mahi Hua Parakori, which is a Māori soil sovereignty handbook and really follows on from the food sovereignty handbook. Um, and I can talk a little bit about that um, later. Um, so yeah, come and hang out and meet the Tawaka Kaiora Fano in August at Papatua Nukumarai, who are doing amazing things in South Auckland and their big food gardens, got their fish head program going on, um, food boxes, uh, selling kai at the markets. The Huaparakori Verified, they run uh, the Kaioranga course with Awanui Arangi as well. So um, I'm pretty sure there's Kaioranga courses in the far north as well. So checking out those is a great way to learn about the Huaparakori Kaupapa too. Yeah. Um, I was going to actually ask you, I think you've already um, answered the question already, because we we sometimes just think it's about our rural communities where this applies, but you you also have done quite a lot of work by the sounds of it in, in our urban settings. Is there, a, I mean, we're applying the same principles, but is there a difference of approach or anything between our rural and our hokainga communities? Um, I think what's uh, foundational for all of us is ngā kaupapa o tuhua parakori. You know, the kaupapa of mana, of wairo, of maori, maramatanga, te aotūroa, tapu. Um, and really it's about deepening, and this is what I love about the framework, because it's a learning framework, you know, like um, how kaupapa Māori frameworks are. It's an opportunity for anybody at any level with any knowledge to start engaging with kaupapa to think how you might apply them 
um, in your situation, like whether that be in an apartment block in Auckland or, um, you know, on a piece of land living rurally, um, there will be different ways to apply those kaupapa. But what's really key about it is we start to engage with those kaupapa that waken up our Māori senses and our... Um, and our own sense of sovereignty and, for me, indignation about needing to go and get food from the supermarket or sell my time for money doing work to go and buy food, which the opportunity cost there is it takes me out of the martyr and it takes me away from nature. So, um, it, you know, one of the things that's really at the heart of it for me and probably very much connected to my yoga teaching as well is this notion of that we are a part of nature and we know this is Māori, we, uh, it's in our whakapapa. And so in what ways can learning about these kaupapa of huaparakore, and we can just have these conversations in our whānau. We don't need to, I mean, we are the puna, our whānau are the puna of the mātauranga. We don't need to go anywhere else to um, learn about this. So it's really about starting to build that whānau knowledge. You know, how as a whānau do we talk about Māori? in relation to food um, and for us on our farm here I mean we're in a rural area but for me Modi starts in the soil um, and so one of the things that's really important to me is making really 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 awesome compost that's just teeming with life and microbiology and got all that fungi and sugars going down into the soil so it can spread out the nutrients and feed the roots of the plants that will then produce good kai so it's just kind of about understanding that cycle so it's just about thinking, well, modi of the soil, really enhancing um, that soil modi through the practice of building compost, translating that modi into the kai through the soil, through the roots, through uh, ngahua that are produced, and then we consume that modi, you know, and then that's where the oranga comes from. So it doesn't really matter where we are, it's just about um, turning our mindset on in a different way. So if you're in an apartment block, you know, and you're in Auckland, get out to the markets and um, or hunt down Papatuanuku Marae and see if you can get some of that kai Māori and that huaparakore kai and just start to readjust your divine senses mm. to being able to connect with consuming and being food, really. I mean, we are food um, in a different way from how we might experience that really distant relationship when we go to the supermarket or something like that. Because I'm um, just picking up around the time, you know, our whānau during COVID. Mm. And for, from where I come from, whānau Apanui, um, you know, we were in lockdown, but we learned a lot of really good self-sufficiency methods while we were in lockdown. Um, but how do you keep up that now that we're getting into this new normal um, and don't return to what we used to do before, which is those capitalist kind of practices? Yeah, great what, question. What's your advice? Beautiful question at Matarakia, because that's always a good time to start to layer in new patterns and um, think about what we can leave behind and what, what are the new things that we want to take forward. So um, my advice would be to start thinking seasonally or to think about food in a seasonal way. And so we're, you know, uh, in, we're definitely in winter now. Um, I say looking out the window at some snow on the Dimutaka Hills. Um, but, you know, what happens in winter? The energy's going down into Papatuanuku. Uh, things are wanting a rest. They're preparing, they're gathering modi and energy um, to have that big release, release of energy in Koanga. So the time really in winter um, for us on our farm is about making compost, um, getting things ready for that 
um, spring planting, washing out all of our seed trays to make sure that we're not transferring any um, pathogens, you know, from previous um, growing of seedlings and seed trays to new crops and things like that. So don't expect instant gratification, but just start slowly with a little bit of a plan, you know. So what do you and your whanau want to do in winter? And um, don't be too ambitious. You know, it's still not too late to put down garlic. Um, definitely not too late to put down garlic. In fact, ours was in probably about four weeks ago because that's just our growing climate and what I've learned. So even going to the local organic shop and buying a couple of bulbs of garlic or um, and then pulling all the little garlic things off it and using those as seeds to um, start your own garlic bed. It's such a rewarding crop. And what that a garlic crop does, and I grow it every year, it grows really well out here, is that um, it offers us the opportunity to have a relationship with it for six months because it takes six months to grow. Um, and my garlic still hasn't come up. We put it in the ground, you know, a few weeks ago and I'm out there kind of every second day. Are you up? Are you up? Are you up? Oh, you're not up yet. Ooh. Uh, so, but then, you know, I'm going to have a relationship with that crop all the way through spring and all the way into summer to when I harvest it in um, January. And then when I'm sorting out through the harvest process the really good seeds and putting them aside so then they can come into the marder again for um for that next winter so just uh change the time frame of which we think you know when we produce food it's really different from going to the supermarket because everything's there and we go oh yeah i'll have that i'll have that i'll have that but actually what do you want to be eating in summer um what seeds do you need to gather now and who do you know who's got seeds um things like that would be a good thing to do but also to really encourage people to have a look at the huaparakuri framework um because i think you know uh, is really important um but also to growing our matauranga collectively is really important as well and so i think it has to go hand in hand uh, one, it's about growing kai, but we have to be able to do it in ways that deepen kaupapa for us and how we practice kaupapa in order to be able to enact Māori food sovereignty. Mm. Oh, um, Kilda. You go, you go, Kingy. Go. Oh, I just have a comment. We missed our garlic window. Oh, no. Hina goes, oh, well, um, so on the shortest day of the year, we'll plant our garlic and it was coming up. I was like, oh, I think it's ready to go. It's because we had one was just started blooming on the counter. And I'm, oh, I think it's ready. And no, no, we'll wait. And then we put it, just got a little um, over, got a little rancid on the bottom. So we missed it. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, the, sometimes the, the, it'll show you in itself, you know, the, yeah. it'll show yeah. you when it's ready. And um, that attuning to listening to them is really yeah. an important part of it is realizing, oh, they are communicating too. But if we see ourselves as dominant and a user of it and not in partnership with it, then we won't, we won't see those signs. Eh? And I think that's one of the interesting concepts I like about um, mm-hmm. the Māori framework for, for Māra is, you know, we uh, work together with the whenua, with mm. the, the compost, you know, with the, with the hua, with the plants, with the rako to understand each other. And that's quite a shift from what we know when we go to the supermarket, we just grab what we want because it's all available. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite a radical shift. That was my... Um, mm, mm, was, mm, mm. Mm. Um, I guess my question is around climate change. Oh, and yeah. also we're seeing a lot of, I don't know what you call them, um, um, things like myrtle rust 
those types of the, I don't know if you call them splores or pest or um, bacterial fungi mm. or whatever it is coming as I understand it. And that may not be right. You know, coming from on um, um, in the wind from, you know, overseas. Mm. What is, um, how do you use Mato Rangamari and your concepts to actually um, protect our kai from those outside forces? I think there's lots of ways to be able to do that. And so, you know, that whole other realm that we have the ability as Māori through our tikanga to be able to tap into and to activate. And that really is, you know, when you start um, hanging out with who a parakori grows, that really is part of what we do. Um, as you could appreciate, it's really hard to put into words, uh, especially in Te Reo Pākehā. But, um, you know, it's about having relationships with, um, it's about calling on every deity and sentient being to be able to come and help um, in incursions of myrtle rust. You know, that's one practice that we can do. And so, you know, I feel very strongly um, about being able to invoke those types of energies. And I think that's one of the roles that we have as, uh, you know, um, kaimata. Um, kaitiaki. Yep. Yes, kaitiaki, absolutely. Um, but the other role, you know, takes us into that real political realm, eh? And, um, you know, that is a really important realm to play in. It does also, too, take us away from the garden um, when we go and activate ourselves with that. But Tawaka Kaiota has been very active in the um, anti-GE movement um, and very strong and unwavering on our views on genetic engineering as being a hara, as tampering with whakapapa, as interfering with the modi um, of Ngā Tonga Pukuriho. And so we have to keep up um, political discourse in that way, you know, and making sure, you know, and it was great that you said that, Kingy, not buying um, Yates seeds because they are affiliated, they're a subsidiary of Monsanto, mm -hmm. which are a massive GM seed um, distributor around the world that erode, um, erode local livelihoods, yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a huge upswell of support when we were living in Hawaii for local farmers mm. and Monsanto had just undertaken a number of very questionable ethical practices to insert themselves in one of the islands there. They're already in quite a few of them, but that, yeah, Hawaiians really don't like Monsanto. Yeah, particularly, uh, you know, taro growers and kalo farmers. It's, yeah, very yeah, damaging. Mm. Absolutely. And Monsanto went into Hawaii with papaya crops and they trialed GM papayas probably about 15 years ago. And the papaya, the GM, it was a failed crop. So then they moved into Southeast Asia, some other um, territory, um, to go and trial them there. Um, but it decimated, again, the livelihoods of local farmers. And what happens when we hook ourselves into any form of commercial agriculture, especially GE, is that then we have to have a relationship with these companies where we need um, pesticides and then we need fertilisers. And it's like you just begin to be locked in to um, this whole mm. food and agricultural economy, which that isn't our economy. That's not us. That's not, um, you know, that doesn't take us back to the heart of who we are. It's Tiwi Māori at all. Yeah. Mm. If you go back to the myrtle rust mm. uh, question, is that did, when did myrtle rust emerge? Was it in reaction to genetically modified crops? Like, is it a, is it a, you know, a consequence of genetic engineering? Just wondering. Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I would say no. 
it's a consequence of imbalance and of changing climate. Mm. You know, when you see pathogens being blown across the Tasman and coming into our Ngahiri, uh, there's a, you know, I don't, I'm not doing much work in myrtle rust, but I know that, you know, that um, Melanie Mark Shadbold and that Biological Heritage National Science Challenge have been doing heaps of mahi on there and really working with, um, you know, our tohunga, um, around their mātauranga to be able to help to understand this um, this pathogen. Yeah, yeah. So my question is on uh, biodynamic values mm. and how they influence uh, modern mātakai. Oh, beautiful. Um, so for me, biodynamics and huaparakuri are really quite similar. And um, I trained in biodynamics probably about 15 years ago and got to go and spend a year, um, you know, doing block courses up at the biodynamic farm called Puraiti in the Hawke's Bay. Biodynamics comes from the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, who, you know, Steiner schools, Germ white, white German man. Um, but he's actually he was one of these people who was just a receiver of knowledge. And so he was just that mediator on earth to receive this knowledge about these healing practices, which is really what biodynamics is. It's a method to be able to restore equilibrium and balance uh, within the land. And uh, they use a range, it's almost like a homeopathic principle. You know, they use a range of um, preparations. The cow is incredibly um, revered and sacred in biodynamics, especially um, uh, a lactating cow with really beautiful horns. And the reason for that is that the horns on a cow have the energies and the properties of silica that reach up into the cosmos. And so they're reaching up for that energy. And then you've got the same material that the horns are made of um, encased around the hoofs of the cow. And so then you've got that lovely balance uh, of the silica through the polarization of the animal's feet on the ground and the horns reaching up to the sky. So long story cut short, what we love from that cow is her poo. <laughs> and so cow poo, biodynamic cow poo, whenever BD people come over and visit me and they're from dairy farms, I'm always saying, can you bring me a couple of buckets of your best cow poo? And they know exactly what they mean, you know, a cow with the lactating cow with beautiful stretchy horns. But really what biodynamics um, does, similar to the huaparakuri, is it puts us back in relationship with ourselves and with the whenua. Puts us back in relationship to ourselves like as a divine being, as a sentient being, as a uh, being and a child of Papa Tuanuku. And so then our practices, um, both in huaparakuri and biodynamics, are about really honouring that and understanding that actually you know, we as a vessel have the ability to hold and practice mātauranga Māori. Um, and then we take, you know, which the healing practices in Huaparakori, and then we're able to take those practices onto the land, like enhancing Māori through compost making. With biodynamics, we um, have some well-known preparations called Preparation 500, which is made from... Um, taking cow manure and really massaging through it to really activate the microbiology and it's just teeming with life in there. And then putting that cow poo into a cow horn um, and then burying that cow horn in the earth for six months. And again, that's at the right time with the marama taka. So, um, 
um, yeah, right, yeah, right time with the maramataka, and then we lift that out again, right time with the maramataka, and you tap out that um, cow poo, and over six months, because it's been wrapped in silica in the earth, we just have to connect in and think, what would that actually be like to be a microorganism encased in silica in the earth, having the polarity of the earth down below, papa and rangi up above, and then we tap out that kaupu and we end up with the most amazing concentrated um, fertilizer that you then put a couple of handfuls into a big bucket and then you start stirring it for an hour. So you're actually dynamizing it. You're really enhancing the modi of that um, preparation, stirring it around one way until you see a big vortex form. Um, and then, of course, you crash your hand down into that vortex uh, to break it up, creating chaos. Um, and then you stir it around the other way. And you let you take your hand out, put it back in, create chaos and around the other way. What you have after an hour is a completely changed texture in that water. It's like creamy, rich, velvety, um, liquid manure. Uh, and then you take a little um, hand brush um, or any other witchy device that you might have in the house, put it in the bucket and walk out over your farm and spray it around four o'clock in the after, afternoon, broadcast it. And as you do that, you take the... Um, little hand shovel or whatever you're applying it with and you make sure it's facing down to the earth and then you do um, application in a lovely big arc so that those droplets can then again reach up to the stars and up to the sky so it's all that thing about balancing polarity when I first got onto this piece of land 15 years ago it was a dairy farm before we um, before it was subdivided into lots for sale um, we did a spade count in the paddocks and, you know, one or two, a spade count, a worm count in the paddocks, uh, dig a, just a spade hole and lift up the dirt and have a look at it and count how many worms there are. It's a good way to see what's happening in the soil. After about a couple of years of applying biodynamics, I could uh, do a spade dig and my soil would be um, a lot more friable, so it would be more airy and loose. Um, you could see that they had good water retention, so the water was actually moving further down the soil, and the worms were amazing, teeming with life. So what we, what I know from biodynamics and from Huaparakori is um, small is beautiful and less is more. You know, that homeopathic principle that we don't need to buy a couple of tonnes of um, fertiliser to put on our paddocks, but actually if we have access to a lactating cow, um, or any cow, doesn't matter, any cow poo, um, or join the local biodynamic association, uh, which is how I've really, you know, kind of honed my practices of biodynamics, then we've got that ability to grow the best soil, um, you know, which then can grow the best animals or the best food, that type of thing. But in the, but over that whole period, um, what we're doing is we're actually growing and deepening our own spiritual relationship with the land and our own, um, we end up knowing that we are the person on the land in this moment and that's the right place to be and we're doing the right thing. And I think that's what we really need to sink into in Māori soil sovereignty is she's saying, well, I'm here right now, you know, and I am it and this is perfect. This is exactly how it's meant to be what's my job here? What do I have to do? And in biodynamics, uh, really it's for me about healing the land.
I love the systems thinking in them. It's, it's, it's great. But I was wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about the partnerships you have in your certification system and how difficult was that to develop mm. and especially um, and maintaining the values within that certification. So the Hua Parakuri system was developed through a three-year Kaupapa Māori research project um, and uh, it was, the system was stood up in 2011. And so we spent three years on a um, forced funded Foundation Research Science and Technology research project to answer the question, hia hanga kaupapa o Hua Parakuri, mm-hmm. um, what would constitute a Māori organic product? And so we had Hui uh, up and down the Motu, um, had some lovely time in Ahipara with whānau there, um, asking this question. And of course, as you could imagine, the kōrero was like really long and really big and had way too many things with my researcher hat on. I say that because I'm looking at it all going, how are we going to, how do you do this? How do you make this happen? You know, what's the knuckle of this kōrero here? And it was our kaumātua, of course, who looked at it and said, well, look, you just need to choose um, six kaupapa, and these are our kaupapa for hua parakuri because everything fits into there. And as we know, it's all a woven universe anyway, so it all um, it, 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 we can all tell our story within it and we can all enact multiple kaupapa. The um, Hua Parakori system has gone really well at a whānau level. And so whānau, you know, have really picked up the book. They've really um, engaged with Tawaka Kaiora regional groups as well. And people are doing that kaioranga course at Awanui Arangi, which is taught regionally in Marae around the motu as well. Um, so that's been great. But our system at the moment is under threat from the Crown because the Crown are currently reviewing the Organic Products Bill where they want to have government-to-government end organic certification for the global market for organics. And so it means there'll be a whole change to the organic uh, framework in New Zealand. Um, Last week to Waka Kaiora, we made a submission to the Select Committee on the Bill and um, the Minister has asked the Select Committee to come back to some key Māori organisations, to Waka Kaiora included, to um, seek some more information. Our really big concern is that um, it's just another form of colonial erasure that's going to happen, and that all of that work and all of those many, many hours that people like Matua Percy, Tafai Maklachi, you know, the people who have been in Aorupu have put in over the years to really get the whole Parakuri up and going, is going to be, um, well, basically, basically be illegal under this system. And so we really need to work with MPI to um, see how we can act as a kōrowai over other organic certification systems. Um, so at the moment, um, you know, the government's proposing to be the one organic certifier in partnership with um, the other certif- organic certifiers in New Zealand. Um, you know, and we, you know, and the reason that they're doing that is they want to really increase the potential for organic e- exports around insurance and integrity around <coughs> organic certifications. But when you read the proposed bill, you could be anywhere in the world. There's nothing in that bill that says anything about anything Māori or treaty partnership. So um, 
you know, it's really good to have our feet on the whenua, isn't it? Because this stuff would just drive you nuts. And it's just, you know, we've been here so many times. Um, it was so hard to get that research funding. Uh, it was so hard to do that research. It's so hard to stand that system up. Tuaka Kaiora, we got no money. Uh, everybody works for Aroha. Uh, most people want to be in the garden, but then there's all this other political stuff that you have to um, tend to as well, because it is part of our garden patches. It, it is part of our marae, so we have to be in it as well. Yeah. I was wondering if you have any tips for our hokainga out there. Maybe they got a food parcel in the lockdown. They had some trouble during the COVID period. What would your tips be to, for them setting up a garden? Top three tips, what could they do? Yeah, start collecting newspaper and cardboard, nothing with no magazines that have got coloured ink on it. Make sure you take anything inorganic off the cardboard, like any sellotape or stuff like that. And if you want to start a garden bed, lay the newspaper and the cardboard down for maybe four to six weeks to get the grass to die. And what that will do, it will create a little micro environment for the worms to come up. Next thing I'd do is find some edging, could be rocks, uh, might just be a bit of corrugated tin that you can just um, put in around it. Just needs a little bit of a barrier and you need to be able to walk in it. And um, then you've got the start of the martyr. The next thing I'd do, last tip number three, is you could even build a no-dig garden. So instead of digging into that soil, so you've already got your cardboard down, you've got your corrugated tin um, or your edging, you know, maybe some... Um, non-treated hardwood something like that um, around the edge of it um, cardboard newspaper on top see if you can find some straw chuck that on top see if you can put some weeds on top find any um, animal manure that you can or sheep cow um, yeah sheep or cow chicken poo put that on top and just keep layering it in and then tuck it all down with that final nice layer of golden hay because what that does is it brings the energies of summer into that little area um, that you're starting to build a garden bed in and just um, say karakia and walk away <laughs> and come awesome. back to it in about three months and then do some planting for spring. Yeah, pull it all back or mush it all down. Um, might need to just move that dirt to the side a bit that's been rotted down because it might not be really ready to go, but you will have made a nice bit of soil there. There you go, Fano from the expert. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah. uh, someone on the, you know, on the journey. And so what seed, so you've got your garden, you've, you've made your bed, you put your newspaper, got your compost going. The worms yep. are coming up. What, how were, where's the best place to turn to Maramataka Māori knowledge for what to plant when? Turn to your whānau. Ask your whānau. Ask your nannies and kōros what they would do at this time of the year. Um, or else in the north you have um, uh, some amazing people up there. Hene, oh, I'm trying to think of Hene's last name. Hene and Reuben. Uh, Maramataka by the moon so there's a lot of people on Facebook who are running really good Maramataka programs but again this is the time for us and we do this in our whare as well to um, try and have our own relationship with the Maramataka like just connect into those senses and those feelings about it because you know, you might go to the Organic New Zealand magazine to read about the Maramataka but it might be written by somebody who's down south 
and that mm. might be really different from what's happening up in your um, in your rohi. So um, yeah, just check it out. For for me, I always sow seeds forty eight hours before the full moon, and so that's just my complete mantra: forty eight hours before the full moon, because. Um, water's rising at the time of the full moon. Think about those full moon, you know, full moon high tides. Um, and so that seed is just really ready just to germinate up, you know, when it's just full of water. And they say that the energies of the Madamataka and this is um, of the moon, and this is through biodynamics, is strongest 48 hours before it actually reaches that point. So it's kind of in that traveling journey before it's there. Mm. Mm. Kia ora. Kia ora. Wow. Some toranga there. Thank you very much. Moana Jackson has a quote: "Once we're gardeners, not once we're warriors." Mm. And I just mm. think that's beautiful. You know, it's for me. It's an, really an assertion of our tinoranga tiratanga is yeah. uh, being connected to our whenua and being one with it and, and growing yeah. in combination with it. Have you got any other thoughts on that about rangatiratanga and your marakai and and that concept that you could share with our hokainga? Well, I think for me, um, my whole drive to wanting to get in the earth and the ground and to garden is driven a lot by my politics around things. So it's a push against, you know, growing my own food is a push against capitalist systems. It's a push against colonisation. Uh, it's a push against the multinationals um, and that really undiverse, very small food supply chain and offerings that we receive at the supermarket so gardening is for me and growing our own food is the biggest act of resistance and it's the biggest act of well-being that I can do to um, feed uh, my whanau kai from the garden to make soup from the garden to eat the earth um, is exactly what I want to be doing it's exactly the thing that makes me feel well when I eat that food um, like I said earlier, it is eating the soil, it's eating the air, it's eating the rain, it's, you know, we are consuming um, all of nature and we are nature. So it's just really about restoring that, um, restoring that relationship. So, you know, tinoranga, tiratanga and food uh, go together hand in hand for me. It's food is something we have to do every day. Mm. Um we have to do it more than once a day. We have to do it three times a day or five times a day. Yeah. And when we're actually growing our own food, we then, you know, you, you end up taking a little bit more time about thinking about what you're going to prepare and how you're going to cook it and how much you waste. Um, because it's taken a long time to grow a cauliflower, right? And you've really loved that baby up since growing that compost to that seedling to, you know, watching it and, you know, taking a very long time to grow up and, um, I don't know why, but mine are all seem to be dying at the moment. They've got a little black spot on the top of them. But, I mean, that's part of it too, isn't it? All of the failures um, creates an ability to really be able to appreciate our kai. Um, and uh, that's what I really like about, um, about gardening is that I, it cultivates a really deep appreciation for not just the food, but all the labour that's gone into it and all the relationships that are around it. And what... Um, shopping at the supermarket does or getting you know buying conventional vegetables is that for me it really severs that relationship with food and um, uh, there's nowhere to go there you know if 
if our relationship with food's been severed and how we procure it, how we buy it and how we eat it, how we prepare it and then how we eat it, um, then where do we go with our food? What, what are we then in our food chain? You know, what are we in a Māori food system if um, that is our relationship with food? So tonoranga teratanga and Māori food sovereignty, for me, you know, I have a really clear vision about um, Māori enacting really strong food systems in local communities. And I think this, you know, we've got to not think about Māori food sovereignty as this whole big national thing and we're going to change the world and that type of stuff. I just want to grow food on here for, you know, the four whānau houses that we've got going on around here. Um, and friends, that's really enough for me. So who in your whānau do you want to join up with to do this, to enact it? Because I'll tell say it again, you don't want to be weeding the garlic patch by yourself. Nothing is more mukimuki than that. Um, so who, who do you want to play with? Um, and it doesn't have to be hours and hours it doesn't have to be weeks and weeks it's amazing what you can get done in the matter in 20 minutes half an hour popping out you know once or twice a day um so think about it at a whanau level at a hapu level at a community level because we need to return back as communities you know back onto the whenua to grow our own food to prepare it and to eat it and then to have conversations through the Huaparakori framework about it so we can keep growing our mātauranga. So in 20 years' time, I'm excited about the conversation um, our rangatahi will be having about kai. And I really hope it's very different from this conversation. I hope we've got, you know, Māori food-secure food systems happening up north, you know, um, in the cities, down south, and maybe we have a kaiho-kai relationship and we start to re-establish those relationships of sharing food again um, instead of looking towards money as the um, object um, that we want to derive um, from our food system, but actually deriving well-being and building diverse communities and different living economies. Really got to be about that, yeah. I mean, it's interesting you say that because you're around koha. Koha used to be exchange mm. of kai. It wasn't money. Mm. So, um, and I love your whakaroa, especially around, it is actually about our well-being, our health and well-being, because we're feeding, us, feeding and nurturing ourselves in, in ways that are positive. Kia ora. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. What a wonderful kōrero of definitely cultivating some new thoughts uh, and really looking forward to establishing my local network here with our our gardeners um, helping pull weeds and sharing stories and also connecting with uh, Te Waka Kaiora and as well reading your new book. Thank you so much for your insights, your knowledge. Um, and also the you straddling both of the worlds, you know, from the mara to the political realm. Mm. Uh, very, very interesting. So kia ora. Thank you. Thank you. Kia ora. Kia ora. We like to finish with a pakatoki. Do you have anything you'd like to share with our whanau? Ko te reo te mauri o te iwi Māori, ko te mārakai te tinana o te ao. Uh, that reo is the lifeblood of uh, our people, but mārakai is the body of our world. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Tēnā koe. Well, there we go, whānau. Thank you once again, Jessica. Kia ora tui. Tēnā koe. Tēnā korua. Tēnā korua. That's us on te pūtahi. Kā kite. Mm -hmm.